You're listening to the 75th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we worship at the altar of grain, hops, yeast, and water. Watch Tommy Fan slap a rival to save the honor of his fantasy football team. Go with MJ Melendez from Florida to the Kansas City Royals. And we love gold. We're starting the podcast, as always, with a drink, which I'm going to have right now. What I'm drinking, it's called Dark Wave. It's an English porter from a good American local brewery called Ministry of Brewing in Baltimore, Maryland. And this brewery is actually located in a former Catholic church in Baltimore. It's It used to be called St. Michael's Church, to be precise. What I like is when you walk in towards the back where the altar is, you can see some of the pews from the church that are still there. And you can still sit in them and have your drinks, order your food, what have you. I really, really like it when businesses take over companies or buildings and they keep the integrity of whatever it was there before. Whether it was a munitions factory, a mill factory, a church, a place of worship. You retrofit it to your needs, but you keep the spirit of what it was. And I know they do a lot of that in Indianapolis, Indiana. I love Indianapolis. I think it's one of the best underrated cities in the Midwest. And they, I know they also do that in Washington, D.C. So cheers to everyone that keeps historical buildings alive. I just had a drink. And you know that pictures of what I drink are always posted on our social media accounts on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow or not. Or block us. I don't know. Whatever you want. Speaking of blocking and drama, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds and Tommy Fan. Because back on the 27th of May, the San Francisco Giants were in Cincinnati playing the Reds. And before the game, during warm-ups, the Cincinnati Reds outfielder Tommy Fan went up to the San Francisco Giants outfielder Jock Peterson and slapped him in the face. <laughs> Why would a grown man go up to another grown man and slap him in the face. Oh, it's easy. Because Fan had a dispute with Peterson over an ESPN Fantasy Football League from 2021. This reminds me of what Charlie Murphy said in that legendary Chappelle show episode when they went all out on Rick James. If a man slaps another man back in like 18th century Paris... You would have a gunfight and somebody would have to go. You would have a duel like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Both parties walk 10 paces and shoot in the air or whatever. This is a fantasy football league. Why are we acting like this? Allegedly, Fam said that Peterson placed a football player on the injured reserve which was against the fantasy league rules that they played in. And when Fam said this, Peterson responded in the group chat. You know, we're all part of group chats, whether you're with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers. He sent a gif that made fun of the San Diego Padres, that the team that Tommy Fan was playing for last year, because they were last in the standings. <laughs> 
I had so many questions when I heard about all this nonsense, just like you, is who actually was in the league as well. And I found out that it was some of the players that were in this fantasy football league last year were Mike Moustakas, the Eric Hosmer was in it, Mike Trout, Manny Machado, of course, Jock Peterson, Tommy Fan, and who knows who else. I know I wasn't in that league. And it also made me think, so who exactly is the player that Tommy Fan was so upset about that Jock Peterson stashed away in some illegal move? And it's actually the San Francisco 49ers running back, Jeff Wilson. And I don't know how many of you are football fans or follow football, but in 2021, Jeff Wilson ran for a grand total of 241 yards and scored two touchdowns. <laughs> Jeff Wilson was out for the first 10 weeks of the season because he was injured. He actually didn't play. He played, I think, for like five games. This is from last year. Tommy Pham was holding this grudge for at least six months. Seriously, that's crazy. That is poison in your mind. When you have that hatred boiling inside of you for months, for years, for a decade, and you're like, I'm going to get this sucker. I'm going to get him. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to destroy this man. That's poison inside of you, in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, in your body. Don't do that, people. As that great ludicrous song says, drink some prune juice and let the shh go. But you know what? The assault and battery worked for the Reds because the Reds won that game 5-1. to one. And the Reds went on to win six of their next eight games until they were swept by the Washington Nationals this past weekend. Hey, whatever works. Because Lord knows that the Reds need all the help they can get. Legal ones and ones that are also against the law. The Reds are in last place in the National League Central Division. They've only won 18 games. They've lost 35 games. They're already 13 and a half games behind the division-leading Milwaukee Brewers. The Reds' offense is terrible. They're maybe not terrible. The Reds' offense is not good. They're 26th in team batting average of 228. There's only 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Their pitching is the worst in all of baseball. They're ranked 30th, the worst. With an ERA of 5.49. You put some respect on my name. Fam also accused Peterson of, quote, Peterson was messing with my money, end quote. And by the way, this isn't just some random fantasy football league that you sign up and like, hey, I'm playing against people I have no idea or I'm playing against some friends or family. To be able to play in this league with Mike Moustakas, Manny Machado, Jock Peterson, etc., every player had to come up with $10,000. Of course, these are millionaire baseball players, but $10,000 is a nice chunk of change. But wait, there was also another stipulation in the league, in their league rules was whoever came in last in that league had to pay an additional $10,000 for coming in last place. That means you are highly incentivized not to come into last place. Because that's where the Cincinnati Reds are, currently are. <laughs> and you know what? Tommy Pham did not slap Jock Peterson like a gentleman. Because a true gentleman would use gloves to slap another man across the face. 
not his right hand like Tommy Fan did. And for that, Tommy Fan was suspended for three games. And he lost his salary for those three games. This is insane because Tommy Fan's suspension ended up costing him over $100,000 in salary. But so far, he doesn't seem to be regretful of what he did or the money he lost. And to make things worse, apparently Tommy Fan also just abandoned. He stopped playing in the Fantasy Football League in the middle of the season after that little dust-up with Jock Peterson about accusing Jock Peterson of bending the rules or breaking them. And so that tells me that Tommy Fan's team probably came in last place. If you stop playing, you're probably not going to do well. And then he'll have to pay the additional $10,000 penalty for coming in last place. So let's do some quick math here. Tommy Fan lost $100,000 in salary last month, a few weeks ago. He paid $10,000 to play in the 2021 ESPN Fantasy Football League with a bunch of other millionaire baseball players. And he probably paid the $10,000 penalty for his team coming in last place. A hundred, ten, and ten. That adds up to potentially $120,000 that Tommy Fan is out of. And the only justice he's got was slapping another man in the face. <laughs> and Tommy Fan's guns, they're still blazing, baby. Pa, 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 pa. Because he said that Mike Trout was, quote, the worst commissioner in fantasy sports, end quote. Now, is all of this nonsense, all of this drama over fantasy football league going to help the Cincinnati Reds get out of the, the, the National League Central Division seller? Will this help Jock Peterson and the San Francisco Giants? He was slapped, and the San Francisco Giants need some help because right now they're in third place in the National League West Division, six games behind the LA Dodgers. I don't know if this drama is going to help him or the Giants. But you know what? The Reds play the Giants in one more series this season. And that starts on the 24th of June in, let's say, three weeks. And I'm sure that at least one of those games is going to be on national television. Because television and advertisers love drama. And they should make it pay-per-view all three games of those San Francisco Giants versus the Cincinnati Reds because of what's going on between Jock Peterson and Tommy Fan. <laughs> but you know what? Pay-per-view can be expensive. But our show sponsor looks after your wallet. And I love when I'm able to do this with our show sponsors because this week's show sponsors, Waldblum's Supermarkets. Waldblum's prices keep going down. Summer is the best time of year. No school, birthdays, barbecues, and baseball games. Waldblum Supermarkets keep the summer going with everyday low prices. For your summer eats, go to Walbums, where prices keep going down. Cheers to anyone who keeps looking after our wallet, because we need to save money and not spend it and slap people in the face. I'm going to take a swig. This week's What's On My Mind is MJ Melendez. He's the 49th overall prospect in Major League Baseball. He's a catcher out of Daytona Beach, Florida. And I thought... Do people still go to Daytona Beach for spring break? I don't know. I know that I've gone to Daytona Beach once, maybe twice in my life. I do remember you're able to drive almost up to the water, basically, with your car, which is really weird. Like, who wants to be walking around on the beach also avoiding oil stains from some dude's random car? I don't know. 
Do you go to Daytona Beach? I don't. But we're not doing a back-to-school movie review with Rodney Dangerfield here. <laughs> Let's get back to baseball. Let's get back to MJ Melendez. He's the Royals' number one overall prospect and 49th in all of minor league baseball for this past year. And the weird thing is that when the Kansas City Royals called him up from the minor leagues to Major League Baseball, he was only hitting a 167 with the AAA Omaha Storm Chasers. I love that name, the Omaha Storm Chasers, because it reminds me of the 1996 summer blockbuster Twister. That movie actually was supposed to, is, is, takes place in Oklahoma. I've always had this discussion with friends of, would you rather live through an earthquake or a hurricane. I always pick a hurricane. Because with a hurricane, you know a week in advance that that son of a gun is coming. So you can go get your food, your water. You can board up your windows to your house, to your condo, to your apartment. You can do all these precautions because the weather, the meteorologists tell you it's coming in five days, in seven days, in three days, blah, blah, blah. Or you don't even have to live through it because then you can just hop on the car, fill the gas tank up, and go to grandma's house across the state or go three states over with an earthquake, with a tornado. It's zero warning. It's over. You're dead. Anyways, this isn't a Weather Channel podcast with Mike Trout. This is a baseball podcast. Back to MJ Melendez again. When he was in the minors last year with the AAA Oklahoma Storm Chasers and the AA Northwest Arkansas Naturals, he hit 41 home runs, which led all of minor league baseball in 2021. So he has power. He has a strong arm. He's been clocked at uh, 1.87 seconds for his pop time, which is insane. So you can gun down base stealers. Melendez won the Defensive Player of the Year in the Kansas City Royals system back in 2019. And Baseball America, which... I can never speak highly enough of those guys, the work that they do. Baseball America is one of my favorite podcasts. They rated him as the best defensive catcher in the entire Royals farm system in 2020 and in 2021. And the reason why the Kansas City Royals brought MJ Melendez to the Major League was because they, they needed him to cover for the Royals star catcher, Salvador Perez, because he was out with a sprained left thumb. And if you're a catcher, you need both your thumbs to be working. So right now with the Kansas City Royals, MJ Melendez is hitting 274 with four home runs in 95 at-bats. That's pretty good for a rookie. And he's really good defensively because back on the 26th of May, they were the Kansas City Royals were playing the Minnesota Twins. And in the eighth inning, the Twins had the bases loaded and Melendez blocked four balls that bounced the dirt. Each one of those balls could have gone past him and the runner from third base could have scored, tied the game. But... He blocked every single one of those wild pitches. And the Royals ended up winning that game on the road 3-2. to two. Uh, What I like about Melendez is that he's a Miami kid. He went to Westminster Christian in Miami, Florida. The Royals drafted him in the second round back in 2017. And Mike Matheny, the Kansas City Royals manager, said, quote, he's a dangerous hitter every time he walks in there, end quote. Right when Melendez was called up, he said, quote, I love being able to take on new roles. Whatever I can do to help the team and show what I can do, wherever the team needs me. Honestly, end quote. He's hitting well. He's a good rookie catcher. He has a positive attitude. 
He's been doing designated hitting once in a while when he's asked of him. So what's the problem? Salvador Perez has signed a four-year contract extension that runs until the end of the 2025 season. So that's four year, three and a half years from now. Melendez is 23 years old. So the Royals want to keep Melendez's bat in the lineup. So they've had him play outfield. They've had him play third base because obviously catching is set for the next four years because Salvador Perez is back there. And I've noticed, especially now, that there's a lot of guys coming into majors who will come from baseball bloodlines. And MJ Melendez, is, he's not any different because his dad, Merville, is, he's been a college baseball manager for a long time. On the 17th of May, MJ had his first hit in the majors. His parents were in the crowd. They were interviewed. It was a great moment, feel-good moment. But the very next day, on the 18th of May, his dad, Merville, stepped down as the manager of the Florida International University, FIU, college baseball team that he led for the past six seasons. And Merville said, quote, it's not, a, it's not about the lives you changed. It's about the wins and losses. And we had a bad year, end quote. And the context of what he said was they had a, FIU had a really bad college baseball year. It's not that Merville and his assistant coaches didn't positively impact these young men. They had a great team GPA. They were graduating at a high rate, but they just had a really bad year. And that's what ultimately cost him his job at FIU because the FIU athletic director, Scott Carr, said, quote, I'm not exactly sure why we haven't had more success in baseball at FIU. There's a lot of talent within a short drive of campus, end quote. And for those of you that don't know, FIU is actually in Miami. What, maybe like a 20-minute drive from the University of Miami campus is a little bit further out west in the city. And to continue that Miami, Florida, FIU connection, MJ Melendez's younger brother, Jaden, he's a freshman on the FIU college baseball team. And Jaden also attended Westminster Christian. But we're always trying to find positives. And one of the positives is that now that Merville is no longer the FIU college baseball team, coach he can actually follow his son MJ and the Royals around the country and see his son play because Merville said quote I don't think anything is a coincidence in life end quote I hope MJ Melendez continues to grow as a professional as a young man and positively impact the Kansas City Royals and help them win because God knows that they need help <laughs> the Royals are in last place in the American League Central Division 13 games behind the Minnesota Twins. That offense is not good. They've only scored 191 runs, which is 26th in the league out of 30 teams. But speaking of college baseball, speaking of the Belendis family, I want to remind you, people, go support and watch your local college baseball team in person. Tickets are super cheap. We talked about this back in episode 63. If you're in Miami... College baseball tickets to see the University of Miami start as low as $10 a game. And if you're in Miami as well, FIU college baseball tickets cost as low as $5 a game. You get great seats, good matchups, you see potential future baseball players, and you support your local team. I'm going to support this beer, so give me one second. And if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, you have one of the giants of college baseball, the Vanderbilt Commodores. 
the Vandy boys. I follow them on Instagram. Vanderbilt is basically the Alabama of college baseball. They win all the time, and they have a pipeline of amazing players direct to the majors. And their season tickets, the season tickets to go see potentially the best college baseball program in the country, range from $110 to $365. To compare that, if you want Kansas City Royals season tickets in the nosebleed sections, all the way up there by the clouds, you're looking at between $700 to $1,000. To be fair, the level of play for the Kansas City Royals is going to be a lot higher than seeing a Vanderbilt college baseball game or an FIU college baseball game. But nevertheless, there's no reason you can't do both. There's no law that says you can't go see a game a week at your local college baseball team and then go see Kansas City Royals or wherever or whoever your favorite your favorite Major League Baseball team is. And if you're sitting in a nosebleed section of the Royals Kauffman Stadium or the Reds Great American Ballpark, even from all the way up there, you can see gold flashing on the baseball diamond. Because in this week's segment of Styling and Profiling with Ric Flair, I want to talk about gold souls. Not your soul, but your souls. S-O-L-E-S. I saw that the Chicago White Sox played the New York Yankees in a series back starting on the 21st of May. But on the 22nd of May, the New York Yankees pitcher Luis Severino and the Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson both had gold soles on the bot on the bottom of their baseball cleats. Not a little fleck of gold. I mean all gold. Kind of like Gold Member from Austin Powers. I love gold. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Austin Powers and Gold Member from 2002 starring Mike Myers. Mike Myers and Mike Myers <laughs> when he played Johan Johan van der Schmott who was a Dutch character obsessed with gold and he had flaky skin and he would eat and peel the gold off his skin gross disgusting anyways I thought that maybe unfortunately the gold cleats because gold is heavy whether you wear it on on a chain around your neck whether you wear it as a bracelet or gold on your teeth gold's heavy and I was thinking Maybe that weight contributed to Tim Anderson's injury just last week against the Chicago Cubs. He's in, Tim Anderson's going to be out for a few weeks with a groin injury, which is very unfortunate because, man, the White Sox need help. They're piling up so many injuries, and it's almost looking like a repeat for me of 2021 when about a third of that team, a third of that lineup was always on the injured list. It's crazy. And it's real bad luck is what it is. But on the flip side of that, maybe the gold soles, the gold cleats are helping Luis Severino the Yankees. Look, Luis Severino is having a phenomenal year, like most of the Yankees pitchers. He has a 2.95 ERA in the, his last start on the 20th, 29th of May. He pitched seven innings. He gave up one hit against the terrible Detroit Tigers. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. 39 wins. They've only lost 15 times this season, and they are leading the monstrosity that is the American League East Division by seven and a half games, and we're only at the beginning of June. Like I hinted at earlier, the Yankees have the best pitching staff in all of baseball. They lead the league with eight shutouts. They have the best team ERA of 2.73. They've issued the fewest walks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And there's no reason to even talk about what Aaron Judge is doing to baseballs almost on a nightly basis. I think he has 21, 22 home runs already. It's it's ridiculous. Right now, the Yankees don't need any help. And this isn't the first time that Luis Severino rocks some really cool cleats. Because back in 2019, Severino wore Black Panther-inspired cleats from the 2018 Marvel Studio film Black Panther. His cleats back then were gray and navy blue. And they had like cat scratches on the toe part of the shoe, which is pretty cool. So I like that he goes from popular culture to gold. And who knows what his next baseball cleats are going to look like. And this season, I also saw that the Boston Red Sox outfielder, Alex Verdugo, he wears gold colored batting pads, which is really interesting, I think. And I also love the fact that the Miami Marlins second baseman, Jazz Chisholm, who's a native of the Bahamas, he's teamed up with Aria Gloves. They're based out of Nashville, Tennessee, just like the Vandy boys. To, they, they, Aria Gloves has made Jazz Chisholm ice cream cone-inspired gloves for him to wear. You have to look this up. Look up Jazz Chisholm ice cream glove cone. <laughs> they have like vanilla ones. They have chocolate, brown sugar, Ones with sprinkle on it. It's so awesome. And I love ice cream. I love local ice cream shops. I love local breweries, local wineries, whatever. So I had to mention Jazz Chisholm's gloves in this whole outrageous baseball gear. And do you wear some flashy gloves or sports stuff when you're in your recreational league or your co-ed softball league? I don't. My baseball cleats are red with like some black around them. And then my baseball glove is just your normal Rawlings tan colored glove with my name on it. (laughs) It's it's like I'm 14 years old all over again. But it also reminds me of Jerry Rice going back to the National Football League. Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. And he played for the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders and whatever. But he's known for playing with the San Francisco 49ers. And he always said, if you look good, you feel good, you play good. And I always have that in my mind when I'm playing these recreational sports, whether it's flag football, whether it's softball. So I make sure that I feel good, I look good, because I want to play good. I've always wondered that sneakerheads are crazy about basketball shoes and only basketball shoes because they're always sneakerheads are always looking for the latest Jordans, but nobody goes that crazy about baseball cleats. No one's looking to collect baseball cleats. No one's looking to sell them online. Whether they have gold on them, Black Panther, it doesn't matter. People don't care, but maybe things are going to change because the New York Mets Puerto Rican shortstop Francisco Lindor has new signature cleats from New Balance. They're called the Lindor One. And Lindor said, quote, Sometimes it makes me teary-eyed and say, Damn, here I am. But as a little kid, I never dreamed of having my own shoe and stuff. I didn't think it was possible, end quote. And this doesn't surprise me, but it's sad that New Balance never made a signature shoe for any of its baseball players that they signed up as, as their sponsors. They didn't make a signature shoe for Miguel Cabrera, who I think is the greatest hitter of his generation. I still love Miguel Cabrera. They didn't make a signature shoe for Dustin Pedroia. They didn't make a signature shoe for Jose Altuve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for nobody. 
And to crack that thought process, Matt Nuzzo, who is a product manager for New Balance, said, quote, if they don't sell, what are you going to do with them? The company could mark them down, but it would lose a lot of money in the process. Creating a baseball signature shoe is risky because it isn't like basketball shoes, which can be worn anywhere and are embedded into pop culture and the fashion world, end quote. Damn, dude, Matt Nuzzo, way to show faith in the baseball game and the baseball stars. Goodness. Back in 2017, New Balance signed Francisco Lindor to be the face of its baseball brand. And the, the, the lead designer for this Lindor one is a man by the name of Dan Webb, who's been with New, New Balance for a long time. And he, he actually makes some pretty cool designs. I've seen some of his stuff online. So this has uh, this potential. This has Lindor one. The Lindor one has potential is what I want to say. And Francisco Lindor is a smart dude. And he already knows some of the hiccups of potential baseball cleats like Matt Nuzzo had addressed earlier. Because he wants his shoes to be something that can be worn by anyone, anywhere. Which is the reason why he made New Balance have two different versions of the Lindor one. One is a baseball cleat and the other ones are trainers, which don't have the spikes. And both of these come in two colors. One's in black and the other one's in white. And at the front of the shoe is a floral pattern of the Flor de Maga, which is the national flower of Puerto Rico. Francisco Lindor is Puerto Rican, so obviously he wants to rep his home island. And on the back of both of the shoes, you have Lindor's philosophy, which is, they has on the back there, be consistent, stay positive. And I'm asking myself, are the New Balance cleats that, Lind- that Lindor is wearing helping the New York Mets? I'm going to say yes, because stop me if you heard this last year. The Mets are in first place in the National League East Division and are already leading the division by eight and a half games over the defending World Series champions, the Atlanta Braves. My last question to you is, are you going to buy or at least check out the Lindor One from New Balance? Either the cleats or the trainers or both? Maybe? Maybe not? I may buy the Lindor One from my local co-ed softball league. But I'm always sure to thank new listeners. And I want to thank our new listeners from Casablanca, Morocco, Acapulco, Mexico, Athens, Greece, which I believe you say Athena, Fontana, California, and Tacoma, Washington. Thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast where we talk about baseball, drinks, atomic number 79, and everything else under the sun. Share the podcast with your family and friends. You'll find us on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, and Spotify. My drink will be in the episode description and on our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Tips for Baseball Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.